0: Here's what I want you to do. I I want you to to think about something that you are going through or that you're facing that requires faith. You can take out your phone and put it in a little notepad. If you have pen and paper, you can write it down. You can put it in the front of your Bible. Something that is required of you to have faith. Something you're experiencing, something you're going through. Maybe, maybe it's an emotional upheaval in your life and you're just trying to figure life out. And every time that situation comes before you, you're just filled with anxiety. You ever been there? I've been there. I think, I think most people have been there. Uh, whatever it is, whatever it is, I, I want you to, to think about it. I want you to write it down. I want you to... to you know and if you're like many of us we have a lot of different things in our lives that that we are going through but I want you to focus on the one thing that is really grabbing your attention in your life it may be something a, a decision you have to make for your future it may be uh, something that uh, that requires finance and you've looked in the bank and it's all disappeared you had a hole in your pocket and you lost your money whatever it may be I want to give you a good word today that God is still on the throne and that God has that situation under control our problem is we just need to trust in the Lord and then again is, is an author. She wrote the book, The Mission-Minded Family, and in the, her book, The Mission-Minded Family, she used a story to illustrate uh, a the concept of faith, and she used George Mueller. Now, now George Mueller was an evangelist in England, uh, in the Bristol area, in the 1800s, about the mid-1800s, earlier uh, 1800s, and George Mueller, before there were Uh, airplanes and everything else, he traveled and preached and evangelized in 42 different countries. That's a lot of travel. One day the Lord spoke to to George Mueller while he was in prayer, and he said, I want you to take care of the orphans. George Mueller, over the rest of his life, took care of and maintained over 120,000 Orphans in the Bristol, England area. Can you imagine? Can you imagine having 120,000 teenagers all hungry at the same time? It's incredible. George Mueller acted in faith. He didn't go to ask anybody. He just opened up an orphanage, and then he opened up another one, and then he opened up another one. And it's amazing, through his entire career, he never asked anybody for money. That's amazing. In fact, uh, Ann, she, she mentions in there that one morning, they got up, and the kids came down, and, and there was no food in the cupboards, there was no food in the icebox, not a refrigerator because they didn't have them it was a literal ice box and and they had nothing and and George didn't want to send him to school without any any food so he said you know children let's begin to pray And, and we and he began to thank the Lord for what the Lord was going to do and as they were praying there was a knock on the door when he opened it it was the local baker and the baker told him he says the Lord kept me up all night I was worried about that you might not have any bread so I got up at two and went down to the shop and I baked all this bread here it is while he was giving the bread there was another knock on the door it was the local milkman and the milkman said My cart just broke down in front of the orphanage and I need to get rid of all of this milk so it'll be light enough to take it back home. Can you use this milk? That's amazing, isn't it? I guarantee you, I guarantee you that George Mueller did not think that when he prayed that God was going to send the baker and send the milkman. I bet you that wasn't in his wildest imagination how God was going to do it. But he had faith to step out and, and trust in the Lord. See, when the Lord speaks to you and, and asks you to do something... He always has a plan in mind. But here's the problem with it here that we have with it. God doesn't have a problem with it at all, evidently. In fact, he probably really delights in this. But the problem that we have sometimes is he doesn't tell us the answer. And I am like the National Enquirer. I have an inquiring mind, and I want to know. And yet, here's God, and he says, just go. Just do. Just do just say just step out and he doesn't tell us he doesn't tell us all of the steps that are that's going to be required and he doesn't he doesn't tell us everything that's going to um, need to be taken care of by faith we just know if he says go we go now I I do believe that we live in such a time and, and like I said I I am I've said this repeatedly, I'm not a prophet, but I will tell you that, that we are living in times that require faith. And as the times uh, intensify, your faith needs to shine. Your faith, there is, there, your faith is what is going to keep you in, in the times that we live in and beyond, It can't be a mental ascension. You can't have the gospel just here. It has to be right here. It has to be in your heart. You have to live it. You have to breathe it. It has to be your very breath. You have to say, that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Faith trusting in God. I don't know how he's going to do it, but he's going to do it. I don't know how he's going to deliver, but he's going to deliver. I don't know how he's going to set us free, but he's going to set us free. I don't know how he's going to fill our cupboards, but he is going to fill our cupboards, because when we trust in him, he delights in us. In the scripture, in Mark chapter 20, if you want to turn there, it's it, I have it on, on the screen. Jesus and three disciples have just gone, and, and Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration. And here's Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. They see Him. and, and, and then when they come down, Jesus is met by the, his other nine disciples, apostles, and then he is he is met by. Uh, he is met by Some scribes and they're debating. Now, when the scripture talks about scribes, it's basically talking about like seminary professors. I've been around enough seminary professors to know, which I really like them. Uh, You know, I think they're great, but they're not as interested in the truth as they are in a good debate. Have you ever met somebody like that? Say, I'll take the opposite side of that and let's debate. Here's a man that had come to the nine disciples. Jesus is is seeing them all debating, and Jesus is saying, "Uh, why are you having this discussion? And a man steps out of the crowd and says, I brought my son, which is possessed of of this devil, and I brought him to your disciples, and they could not heal him. And then Jesus so they brought the, the son to Jesus and when, they, when, they, when the spirit saw Jesus it immediately threw the boy into convulsion and he, and he fell onto the ground and, 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 and began to foam at the mouth. Let's go on a, a, little, a little bit. So Jesus asked the boy's father. Now notice, this is really amazing. Here's, here's the, the boy and he's just convulsing right in front of Jesus and Jesus looks at the father and says, Oh, so how long has he been doing this? How many times do we get so focused on the, on the problem at hand that we, that we don't really look at the solution behind it or the reason behind it? We just look at, the, at, at what's happening and we don't look at the reason why it's happening. And the man said, it's been from childhood, and he throws him in the fire and he throws him in the water to try to kill him. He says, but look at the end of this. But if you can do anything, take pity on us And help us. And look what this next verse says. This is so amazing. Jesus says, if you can, if you can, Jesus said, everything is possible for the one who believes. I want to say that again. Here's this guy. He's been trying to get help for his son for his entire life. His, his son has, it, you know, has seizures and it throws him into the fire and it throws him into water. He has had an entire life, however old his son is. He has had his entire life trying to protect and help and, and, and get him relief. And yet, here's Jesus and the man says, if you can, and Jesus says, listen, if you have faith, all things, all things, all things are possible for one who believes. Notice it doesn't say some things, it doesn't say all things are possible for the spiritually intellectual. It doesn't say all things are possible for those that that can understand and grasp just and, and be able to uh, comprehend and articulate what faith is it says all things are possible to those that believe it's those that are intelligent and those that aren't it's, it's those that have a lot and those that have nothing God does not say it has to be a certain group of people He said, Anybody, anywhere, all things are possible for those who believe. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that God is not a respecter of persons? That God doesn't care if you're in California, He doesn't care if you're in Florida, He doesn't care if you're in Kalamazoo, Michigan, He doesn't care. If, if, God, if you're looking to God and you're trusting in what God has said and you believe in Him, all things are possible. Notice that He doesn't say, I will do all things, but He said they are all possible. Everything's possible. Do you think Moses thought that parting the Red Sea was possible? Although he did believe in the Lord. And the Lord's the one that parted the Red Sea. I think that's one of those things that I don't think Moses in his wildest dreams could have figured out that's how God was going to deliver. And God said, watch this, boys. Parted the Red Sea and it was dry ground. Can you imagine? Here they are. They've seen all this. They've marched around the wilderness for 40 years. They go across the Jordan River. Now they're up against Jericho, and God says, I have got a plan. I'm going to give this land to you. And they said, okay, this is great. This is fantastic. This is amazing. How are we going to take this city? Are are we going to storm the gates? And God said, no, you're going to be really quiet, and you're just going to follow the priest, and you're going to march around it and go home. Can you imagine? Can you imagine do you think that any that Joshua or any of the of the people that were walking around that wall do you think that for one moment they thought God was going to be able to deliver in such a manner Isn't it incredible how God delivers And it's never the way we think it is. God always delivers and God always comes through and God always provides. It's like King David said, I was once young and now I'm old and yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. There's something about God that when we put our faith and trust in him and we say, I don't know how you're going to fix this problem and I don't know how you're going to fix this situation but I do know this, I'm just going to trust in you and if you tell me to go right, right, I'm going to go right. If you tell me to go left, I'm going to go left. I don't know what's out there, and I don't know what you have planned, but I do know this. I know that you're a deliverer. I know that you're a healer. I know that you're a redeemer, and I know that you will provide for those that put their faith in you. Don't know how, but we know who. If you can, all things, faith opens the treasures of God to mortal man. You say, well, what, do, what have we received from faith? Let me, let me just speak to you just for a moment. Then we're going to go back to that little problem that you have dealing with faith. What have you received from God by faith in your life? According to John 6, 47, you've received salvation by faith. Do you realize that you didn't earn it? I'm so sorry but you did not it doesn't matter it doesn't matter how good and saintly you have been your entire life you did not earn salvation none are righteous no not one on the reverse side of that it doesn't matter how vile and corrupt you've been See, our life and the way we have lived our life means nothing when it comes to salvation. What means everything is when we look to the cross and we understand that Christ died for us, that he lived, he died, he rose again, and he is alive today. And when we ask him to forgive us of our sins, he forgives us of our sins. John 6, 47 says this, very true I say to you he that believes on me has everlasting life I love that word believe that's an active verb that you are actually doing something see uh, faith believing is not passive it's not something you receive okay God give me faith, give me belief. It's something that you act on. It's something that you take a step toward. So that's why the Bible says that godly sorrow develops repentance, and that's why Peter on the day of Pentecost said you need to repent. You need to change your ways, but you can't change your ways and you won't change your ways until you have faith, until you believe that there is something better, that there's a greater purpose, there's a reason why I'm going to change the direction of my life. And when you understand that, that Christ called us, and, and he called us from this world, and he called us to walk in, in the light as he is in the light, when you begin to understand and comprehend the life that God has called you to, and by faith you believe it and you take that step. Isn't that great? I, I love it when, when people go to church and they say, you know, you know, I, I, I would love to be a, a Christian like you, but man, I'm so out here. And, and, and sometimes they're talking to people that just a year ago were worse off than they are. See, there's not a person in here, there's not a person watching online that doesn't have a story to tell about the saving grace of God and that grace was accessed by faith by simple trust in him do you believe that he is alive today and here's the amazing thing, here's the thing about faith and I I love this faith, the more you give yourself to the Lord and the more Uh, You trust in him, the greater your faith rises. And the greater your faith rises, the more you hear from him. See, it's all about that relationship with him. The things that hinder that relationship, uh, you know, sin or, or, or whatever it may be, or just a strong will wanting to do things our way. I've run across more Christians that want to live for God their way than they do want to live for him his way. But this beauty, the secret of having a life in Him, a victorious life of faith, of seeing God's hand work, is by surrendering everything you have to him. Doesn't matter if you're 10, doesn't matter if you're hundred. It's the ongoing process of I surrender all to you. We receive salvation by faith. We also received this thing called sanctification, that growing in grace, Acts 15:9 says, "And he made no distinction between us." and then this is Peter talking, cleansing their hearts by faith." He's talking about the Gentiles and how he had went and, and he realized that, that God was saving the Gentiles as just as he was the Jews and he cleanses their hearts and he sets us free and we walk in him, not by just Bible studies, not by just attending church, not just by doing good things and giving alms to the poor and all of these things we love to do, but he does it through faith by understanding that that when there's a crisis situation in our life and we have the tendency to go our way or God's way, we surrender our way and we walk in his light and the presence of God and the spirit of the living God begins to fill and control control our lives and when he does that we begin to be more and more like Christ sanctification if you're trying to to be right and be holy and be great on your own good luck with that say how do you know that well I've tried that it just doesn't work it's hard because the carnal man can't be holy and righteous, the Bible says our thoughts, the carnal thoughts, are an enemy to God. They're not subject to God. So how do, we, how do we walk in faith? How do we become sanctified? How do we, by surrendering through faith and trusting in what God has for us and allowing the, the Word of God and the Spirit of God to renew our minds and to renew our hearts. James one six eight says, divine healing... Healing is by faith. Evangelism, the power of service, going into hostile areas, Greg, is by faith. When Paul and Silas, when Paul heard the story, uh, the, the, uh, had the vision uh, of the Macedonian call, he stepped out by faith and trusted in the Lord. You know, victory over our circumstances and our trials comes through faith. It comes through believing that God will never leave us nor forsake us that he is always with us, that when we walk in his ways, all things are going to work out. The Bible says that in answered prayer comes through faith. Matthew 21:22 says all things you ask in prayer believing you shall receive. I love that, and that's, that, that's, that scripture is so misused and so abused, and I feel sorry for it so much, because there are so many people that says, well, if you really believe, you can ask anything, and God's going to give it to you. That's not what it says. If that were true, I'd have a whole line of brand-new cars right out there. Because I ask God for a lot of stuff a lot of times he says no you'll hurt yourself what that simply means is if you ask in faith and you believe in God's going to give you an answer to that prayer it's going to say yes or no or wait or yes I'm going to do it but I'm going to do it my way not the way you think see and that's the beauty of when you go to the Lord in prayer with a with a problem Isn't it amazing that we go to him with the problem and the solution that we want? Lord, I want you to do this and I want you to do it exactly this way. Because all the solutions I have cause me no pain and no stress and I don't have to worry about faith. But the way God does it It's like, okay, God, I really need this, and then something happens, and you say, God, didn't you hear my prayer? And he's sitting over there, yes, I did hear your prayer, and I'm answering your prayer. You just need to act. Step out. Trust me. And in the beauty of all of this, whether it's for healing or sanctification or victory over your circumstances or answered prayer, it's when we begin to have and exercise our faith and trust in him. In spite of what our mind is telling us, we trust in Him. In spite of what our emotions are telling us, we trust in Him. That's when we see God show up. See, peace and joy. Isaiah 26, 3 says, You keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because He has faith in you. There's nothing better there is nothing better in life than having the peace of God, especially in difficult times and in difficult circumstances. Now, I've known, there have been several people that I've talked to, and there are, there are more Christians that I know of right now, not in this church because we're almost perfect, but, but in, in others that, that are so worried about the end time. Do you know how many times Jesus tells us to worry about the end times? Or to look for these things? Zero. you know what he does tell us to look for? The return of Christ. See, I'm not looking for the negative things to happen. I'm looking for that great and glorious day when Christ returns. That in itself will keep your faith. The world will disappoint you. People will disappoint you. Events and circumstances will never go the way you think they're going to go. But God is faithful. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has proved himself faithful. You can trust in him. Sam, would you come? Praise team, would you come? Chuck Martinez, would you, would you help me with communion on this side, and I'll, I'll come to this side. Would you stand with me, please? You remember that thing that we talked about at the beginning, about faith? Maybe it's your retirement. And your retirement is only working part-time or only one job. I don't know what what it is that you wrote down or you have in your mind, but here's what I would like you to do. The last part of that verse, when Jesus said, to the one that believes all things are possible, the father of that son said this, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. One of the most powerful statements in Scripture. Lord, I trust in you, but there's just that part of me that I'm wrestling with. Would you help me with that too? You ever been there? Maybe you're there right now. I'm gonna, I, I'll be honest with you. I have, I have a circumstance that, that, that I'm dealing with that right now. All of us have those from time to time in our lives where we say, God, we really trust in you, we really believe in you, but there's some of us that's just worried or concerned, and we don't know how you're going to provide, and we want you to help us with that. Scripture says, if we know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more does the Heavenly Father know how to give gifts to his children, to those that ask? As we prepare for communion and we, and we look at the, the wine and, and, the, and, the, and the wafer, which represents the blood and the body of Christ, let me ask you, why would Christ sacrifice his body in such a horrendous way and shed his blood in such a, a passionate way for each and every one of us to just let us die on the vine in this life? No, we're more than conquerors through Him, through Him, through Him. When you walked in here, you had to walk through the door. You couldn't get in here without walking through the door. And if you were more than conquerors, not on this side, but through Him when we walk through Him and we're walking in Him, you can say, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief, for I know that victory is at hand. As we prepare for communion, I just want to invite you, whatever your circumstance may be, I want you to bring it to the Lord. And when you partake of that wafer and you partake of that juice I want you to remember what Christ had walked through what he suffered what he endured and the Bible says for God so loved the world he so loves each and every one of us and if he loves us that much do you think He's going to let us down trust in him Father we thank you